Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Morning. Okay, so there's a key cabinet meeting going on uh, right now, this, and this you can give me- us... Uh, meters away from us. Yeah, so what, yeah, what's so, going on with that state of emergency? So we expect the state of emergency to uh, be announced at 1245 today, news conference with Premier John Horrigan, who's here in the building, I think. Um, uh, a public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth and Transportation Minister Rob Fleming. Uh, no big surprise. I mean, this is... This, we've everyone's seen this coming. That it... Uh, a number of issues that's to be addressed. One of the big issues right now is the supply chain. Yeah. Uh, we had a caller on yesterday. We called from Kamloops. The shelves are bare in Kamloops. Cologne has got a severe crunch on uh, on its supply. Uh, basically, when Metro Vancouver, all the goods arrive in Metro Vancouver and then they're distributed elsewhere in the province. Yeah. You can't distribute anything out of Metro Vancouver right now. There's no access roads. Rail lines are down. So it's a serious uh, situation. I talked to Mike Farnworth yesterday who tells me they're exploring ways to get goods in from Edmonton into the north in Prince George and Kamloops to use those access roads because right now uh, access going from Metro Vancouver to the interior is impossible. Highway 3, I think, is going to open soon. Um, not sure it's going to be full service, but that's but likely to emergency vehicles only yeah. at first, right? At first, but one one thing the um, state of emergency will probably designate commercial trucks as priority status in mm. terms of driving uh, because that's the goods haulers, and they will be given priority status. It's you know forget holiday travel right now. Uh, that's just off. It's not going to happen. Uh, Coquihalla looks like it's going to be down, down for potential, according to Farnworth, potentially months. That's how big. Wait, I, wait a sec. When you say holiday travel is off, you're talking about like Chris, looming Christmas yeah, travel yeah, could be restricted. There's, there's going to be travel restrictions for sure. Uh, you're not going to be. Uh, I think there's going to be uh, travel restrictions. But right now, you can't travel anyways. The highways are, are closed. Yeah. You, you, it's a moot point for for now. Coquihalla will remain closed likely over the Christmas season. Uh, Coquihalla is a disaster. Those global news photos of yeah. the flyovers last night, man. And it just shows you how long it's going to take to restore that uh, that highway. It's not, it's not a matter of days or weeks. It's probably months. So that you take that out of the picture. We're going to go back to pre-Coquihalla uh, highway life. I think the highway opened in 88, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so take that out of the equation for, for quite a while. Then you got the other highways where it's going to take some time to uh, open them up. But again, once we're in a state of emergency, there's going to be restrictions on travel. Yeah, when you see those photos of the Coquihalla that was on Global News Hour last night, basically snapped in half and many and many portions of the highway just destroyed. And like you said, I mean, it's not like this is a super old highway. It was built in the 80s. Like that was a state-of-the-art highway yeah. when they built it in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, it, to see it kind of just broken up like that in so many different places is incredible. It was a, it was an engineering marvel. Yeah. It was also a scandal, one of the first scandals I ever covered and helped break, which was the, the cost overrun. Sure. The engineering contracts were just, uh, every one of them was overrun because it was just way more expensive than anybody had anticipated, but it was a really popular route. It really cut the travel time down uh, from f- to get into the interior. But it, anybody who's driven the Coquihalla, uh, my former colleague Mark Miller has got a fabulous show that uh, about disasters on the Coquihalla Highway, Highway through Highway hell. through hell, Highway yeah, through yeah. hell, <laughs> um, because of the many accidents that occur there. It's a very, uh, very high elevation. I've driven the Coquihalla in July through a snowstorm. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's it's its own little world. But right now, it's broken and it's not going to get fixed for quite a while. That's going to take. That's going to take a long time. And, to then, got, and what's happening in Abbotsford is also. Uh, Amazing, uh, just what we're seeing—the return of uh, another example of the mother, the control of Mother Nature. You can't control Mother Nature. So Sumas Lake was drained in 1924 
It was viewed as a nuisance. It was a shallow lake, a mosquito breeding ground. It was a it was a nuisance to travel. The rail, the old BC Electric, didn't like it because it prevented a, a direct route between Abbotsford and Shillock. It was drained. Well, now it's come back. Well, uh, hopefully they, there was that pump house keeps working. Hopefully. I mean, it was heroic efforts last night by people to put up yep. those sandbags around that pump house, and the pumps are still working for hopefully, now. Hopefully they, they can reclaim that. Yeah. But uh, it's, a, again, a historical, it's, historical um, feature. I remember as a, as a kid in Burnham, school kid in Burnham, that was one of our field trips, was to go out to Sumas Prairie and look at uh, the sign there and the st- study that this was a former lake with sturgeon breeding ground was out there it was um, amazing that this was re- reclaimed from mother nature now it's been claimed back unfortunately and now it's become like very fertile farmland mm-hmm. and it's just tragic what's happening to some of these farms that are underground i spoke to some of the affected farmers earlier today on the show including a guy who's a chicken farmer yeah. out in the valley and, uh, you know, it's yeah, like I told him, like, are these chickens, I don't know much about chicken farming, but I said, are the chickens at ground level in the barns? And he said, yeah. Yeah. So I said, was that mean the chickens are possibly drowning in there? It's, yeah, this they also are. affects the supply chain of, of chicken and dairy. Uh, there's a, a number of farms underwater and not producing. Okay, the state of the provincial state of emergency set to be declared this afternoon, and there's been pressure on the government to do that. And yesterday, Farnworth was saying, "Well, wait, we'll talk about it in a cabinet meeting." So once again, I was getting kind of déjà vu about the the reluctance to immediately declare the provincial state of emergency. Let me play a clip here for you from Mike Morris, the the liberal uh, opposition critic for public safety. Uh, calling on the government to declare that state of emergency now. It should have been done days ago. Here's what he said. There's no downside to declaring a state of emergency, but what it does, it provides that reinforcement and that, that confidence for the, for the men and women that are already out there on the front line that have put in probably days now of working with very little sleep, trying to do the best they can with resources that they have available to them. But a state of emergency would open up all kinds of uh, opportunities to bring in additional resources, give the authority to local uh, ground managers to bring in whatever they need to get the job done. Okay, why the delay again on this? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, cabinet, this is the first cabinet meeting since, I mean, since the weekend. It's only been a couple days, so I don't think it's a huge delay. Unlike the last one, there was a few days that went by before the last emergency was declared. So, again, today it's two days after the after the event, but uh, I think Morris raises an interesting point. There's also a psychological element to this. Um, when you declare a state of emergency, as he says, there's not really much of a downside. Um, and again, I'll check my memory here. I think it, it's, it has to go through cabinet before it can be signed off, and they didn't have a meeting until today. Okay, so we, uh, that will be announced this afternoon. You heard that here first from Keith. All right, let's talk about uh, some of this other breaking news at the federal level now, and it appears the federal government now set to drop uh, that negative COVID test to get for travelers to return to Canada. So Global BC reporter Richard Zussman confirming and multiple news agencies reporting this now, uh, the Fed set to drop that PCR test. So for trips, I understand it's 72 hours or less. Um, it's a no, no PCR test. As, right, we, as right. we speculated well, just at the beginning, this was going to be dropped sooner than later. There's pressure. So that would be like, what if you do a trip longer than 72 hours? You'd still have to do the, produce the test. Sounds it like it might be. Sounds like it still might be there. Okay. Okay. But again, this this allows the the you know the the daily shopping to go over to Bellingham and Blaine, fill up in gas, get your groceries, um, and, and such without having to go through that uh, that test. Okay. Uh, and pay the two hundred bucks. The province asking the feds for help. Help is on the way. Bill Blair, the federal minister, is saying the army will be deployed. Here is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking yesterday about the flooding in BC. 
Obviously, uh, extremely concerned about the situation in British Columbia right now, and quite frankly, what uh, hundreds of families are going through, uh, you know, thousands of people affected across the province, extreme weather events. Uh, as a government, we've been liaising closely with the government of British Columbia, uh, providing supports in any way we can, and we will continue to be there. I'm supposed to be speaking with uh, Premier Horgan uh, a little later this evening to make sure that he knows uh, what our ministers have been saying, which is we are there to help in any way, shape or form we possibly can. Okay, so more help is coming. Yeah, and Bill Blair today announcing that, yeah, Canadian Armed Forces is arriving uh, also to supply, to um, address any supply chain issues. So there will be aircraft of goods, it sounds like, coming in. Wow. Uh, hopefully they can find a place to land where they can actually yeah. drive somewhere. But um, uh, again, no surprise again that the federal government is stepping in to help. Okay, real quickly, Aaron O'Toole's internal troubles here. The federal conservative leader, again, facing demands that he step down or there be some sort of leadership review. This came from a conservative senator, Denise Batters mm -hmm. from Saskatchewan, uh, starting a petition calling for a review of Aaron O'Toole's leadership. And here's why she says she thinks that O'Toole's got to go. Aaron O'Toole lost a trust election to Justin Trudeau, of all people. This campaign was not lost because of Mr. O'Toole's mistakes or inexperience. It was lost because of what Canadian voters perceive as his character flaw, that he is not trustworthy. You can't come back from that. Okay, and O'Toole has now kicked her out of the cabinet for saying that. Well, you got to figure she's a stalking horse for a larger group of people there. She's not. I don't think she's a lone, lone uh, person here. She's speaking for a number of people. In the in that caucus in that party who uh, want O'Toole out, so O'Toole in trouble now. Oh, I think he's been in trouble for some time, and I think uh, just like Jason Kenney, he's facing a, a rearguard attack. And Denise Batters is speaking not just for herself, but for probably a number of others in that party in that caucus. Okay. All right, welcome back. It's Keith. It's Keith Baldry. Is my guest. It's Baldry's beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Steve and Delta. Hi, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me on. You know, the Conservative Party, um, they're a mess. And it all has to do with past Reform Party members, people who belong to the uh, Let's Free Alberta Party or whatever else it's called. They also belong to the Federal Conservative Party. And you know what? The last thing I am is, you know, I, I'm apolitical. I liked Justin Trudeau until I realized he was just a politician. And, and um, yeah, you know, but I'll tell you what, the alternative to, to elect the Conservatives... Um, it just wasn't a, a chance because I knew this was going to happen if they lost. Mm -hmm. They go okay. after them. They, they, the knives come out, and uh, there's that extreme right wing side of their party right. who uh, yeah. won't be happy. Won't be happy until there's some heads on stakes. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Yeah. No, I, I sort of agree with him. I think the conservatives have a fundamental internal problem where you've got a, a, a the the right wing which does not reflect the demographics, and they're the ones who are mad at O'Toole. Yeah, you know. O'Toole tried to push the party to the center. It right. didn't work. Now, the, now the, those who are on the right want them out as a result. The problem they've got electorally, it doesn't work for the conservatives. There's not enough votes. They don't have representation uh, in, in enough sp uh, spots in urban Toronto, urban Vancouver, urban Montreal, where all the seats are. If you can't win there, you're not going to form power. Unfortunately for the conservatives, right-wing rump. 
uh, that is not reflective of the values and and, and uh, the votes in those centers. They're just not. They're facing an impossible uphill battle. And the danger for the conservatives is this is a party that's been splintered and divided in the past. If you go back to the old Canadian Alliance yeah. days, the PC days, the Federal Reform Party, and the danger is it falls apart again. Well, it's uh, a, they've allowed the Alberta faction to control the party uh, in in terms of the numbers, and Alberta is not reflective of of again downtown Vancouver, downtown yeah. Toronto, downtown Montreal. It's a different different world let's go to mike and vernon hey mike hey morning guys Hi. Um, hey listen uh i listened to mike's farmers this morning briefly mike when you did that quick clip on him and uh and he said that uh, these floods were unprecedented and we've never seen anything like it and so on and so forth but i'd like to point out 1948 1884 and to a lesser extent 1972 and it seems like every few years we have warnings of these big floods coming and unfortunately they haven't materialized so these guys should have been prepared. They should have had a plan in place. And I'm not going to blame the NDP. I think that it falls on all provincial governments over the years. But I'd like to point something else out, is that part of what made this so bad was that we had about two and a half or three feet of snow, I think it was about two and a half feet of snow, fall in the mountains a few days before this rain uh, event happened. And unfortunately what happens is now you've got a stockpile of, of easy-to-melt snow sitting there, and when that warm rain fell on it, it released it. So the amount of rain that fell during that event on, on the weekend wasn't as much a problem as it was the amount of snow that it brought down with mm. it, and it just okay. brought a surge. Yeah, so there's two things there. Flooding, uh, you're right, we've had floods before. The 1948 flood of Fraser River is the, the you know once-in-a-hundred-year event, and there have been warnings before, oh, the Fraser's going to flood. We're looking at 1948. It hasn't materialized. That, that's one issue. The other issue, which we've never seen before, is this number of landslides on critical highway junctures. We've never seen that before, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. Everybody knew there was going to be a lot of rain, or there's going to be probably some flooding as a result, You know, whether it's your basement or whether it's uh, farmland or the Fraser Valley. We knew floods were, were going to happen because they happen every year, but we've never seen this number of significant and huge um, uh, landslides and all our highways. Right. That's never happened. I don't think anyone could have predicted, oh, you know, watch out, the, the Coquihalla Highway is going to snap into eight different pieces. Yeah. Um, you know, no Nobody could that. have predicted that. Okay, Stephen uh, Stephen Ladner. Hey, Steve. Well, good morning. Um, I'd just like to, uh, you know, give a thanks to the provincial government and all the local governments and uh, different uh, uh, governing bodies, the... Uh, the um, first responders and whatnot in the valley and on Highway 7 and whatnot. Uh, thank, big thanks to them for keeping things in a, you know, as safe as possible for everybody. I don't know how anybody on this planet could have possibly predicted that this was going to happen. So to, mm -hmm. to chastise the government because they didn't predict this is unbelievable. And i also like to thank very much that Keith Baldry is on every day to keep things calm and perspective, non-inflammatory, and you get a more realistic point of view than you do from the regular host. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, the regular host is smiling at me. <laughs> was, that a crap, was that a shot at me? I think that's <laughs> no, what I don't was. think so. But let, let, I listen. think you're calm as well. But uh, he makes a really good point. There was a lot of heroics the last few days of first responders, of just regular crews out there who were really doing their best to save people. We had Mike Timbrell, our cameraman, on last night. Oh, my God, caught, that guy. Caught in the Duffy Lake uh, landslide. He, yeah. he escaped with his life, but he watched uh, a number of vehicles go over the side of the cliff. And we've, they've, so far, one woman has been found dead. 
they're potentially, hopefully not, there may be more fatalities there, but their crews are just heroic in trying to get to these people and save them. And whether it's the helicopter rescues, we, we you had the fellow on yesterday from the Canadian... Uh, uh, Canada Task Force One. Task Force One. Um, I mean, these people are amazing. 